If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Acts chapter 27. We'll look at the last two chapters of the book this morning as we finish out our series. Acts 27 tells the story of how the Apostle Paul starts out as a prisoner getting on the ship, and at the end of the chapter, he's like the commander of the whole thing. And we're going to look a little bit at how he does things like that as we read this morning. We're going to read a section near the end of the chapter, Acts 27, 27 through 37 together. The Apostle Luke writes the book of Acts and and is talking about a time when Paul and he and some others were on this ship that was in the midst of a storm as Paul is a prisoner on the ship. And so he says this in verse 27. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. And this is the word of the Lord. I don't think there's anything in life more encouraging for our souls than to live surrounded by people who are on an adventurous relationship with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that have been really exciting for me these last few weeks has been our podcast, not just listening to it because I did the podcast, but being able to sit down with five men and women who have had these amazing adventures with God as they've related to the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been listening to the podcast, feel free to jump on the app or on iTunes and find the Three Crosses podcast. Listen to these stories. They are great. We talked to Annie the first week who talked about the way that God broke through into her life as a college student and called her overseas as a missionary. Uh, We talked to Carolina the week after that about the moment that God broke her down and revealed himself to her for the first time in a real and powerful way. We talked to Deanne, who spent 20 years in the Wiccan religion practicing witchcraft before Jesus saved her and spiritual warfare broke out everywhere in her life. We talked to AJ, who was pursuing a career in Major League Baseball before God kind of took him down a different path altogether. And throughout all these stories, we get one common thread, and that's this. The Holy Spirit works dynamically with us to craft an adventurous relationship with himself and on mission in this world. And this morning, as we look at Acts chapter 27 and Acts chapter 28, we get this glimpse of the type of adventurous life that the Apostle Paul began to live. Like I said before we read the text, Paul starts as a prisoner. He has appealed to Caesar. He's going to stand trial in Rome. He gets bound. He's guarded by a centurion. They throw him on a ship. And that's where Acts 27 starts, is Paul a prisoner on a ship. And then by the end of the chapter, 
He's doing a communion meal with 276 sailors and soldiers and prisoners, and he's leading the place. And so I want to look at this text and ask, how does he do it? Because some of us, we live these lives and we picture an adventure with God, but we never quite get there. We see these other people who can stand up and command audiences, and that's not us. We see these people who have these life rhythms where they're always working, always going with God to do something great, and our life feels a lot more plain. We have these seasons of dynamic spiritual growth, and then they plateau again. We have a a moment where things start getting good, and, and God's alive and working in our lives, and then the waters get calm again. And so I want to look at this text, and I want to look at our lives and say, how do we get to the place where the Spirit is working in a vibrant and beautiful way through us all the time? And if you feel like that's not you, I'm going to challenge you this morning that it can be you. Here's the assertion that I want to complete our series with. We'll put it on the screen. The assertion is this. It is possible to develop a lifelong dynamic relationship with the Spirit of God. It's possible. And this morning, we're going to look at this text, and we're going to look at our lives and ask the question, how? How do we get there? When I think about my life and the people who I look up to in terms of a, a spiritual vitality of relationship with the Spirit, the first person who always comes to mind is Mark Campbell, our men's pastor. Do you know Mark? How many of you have been to Dawn Patrol? It starts this Wednesday, 6 a.m. Okay, if you go to Dawn Patrol this week, I promise you, Mark will have some crazy story of God leading him on some crazy adventure. It happens to him, it seems, all the time. Right? Mark tells stories about going to Trader Joe's and feeling compelled to get in the slowest line for some reason. And he sees the checker and feels like God's saying, she's having a bad day, talk to her. So he talks to her. And before you know it, she and her boyfriend are sitting in his living room with his wife and they're talking about life and they're becoming Christians and they're planting churches overseas or something, right? These crazy things happen. Mark feels compelled to sell his business, so he prays that God would send him a buyer. And a week later, boom, a guy shows up. Can I buy your business? Mark sees a house that he wants to live in and feels compelled to pray about it. So he prays, and then boom, he's in the house. This is his life, right? I made up the Trader Joe's story, but the other ones are true stories. (laughs) It seems like every time he turns around, there's something amazing happens. The Spirit prompts him, and he steps into it, and everything explodes. And I love watching him live because when I live things don't usually turn out that way. Maybe you're more like me than him. I remember, that's true. I remember we, uh, I was starting a a home community a few years back and I felt like the spirit was saying, hey, you, you should invite your neighbor. And I had this neighbor next door who, I'd been having some good conversations with. We'd spent time in my backyard. We had kind of talked about faith and life and background and all those things. And he was not a believer. And I felt like, okay, God's going to do something here. And so I, I wrote up a little thing about the group we were starting. And I started praying that God would give me a moment to organically invite him. And sure enough, the guy's in his driveway. I'm in my driveway. We're talking about things. And I say, hey, Matt, I'm starting this group of, of guys coming to my house once a week. You're going to see us coming in the backyard and hanging out. I would love for you to come. It's going to be good guys, some weird guys, but we're going to have fun. We're going to have food, and we're going to talk about the scriptures and kind of how God relates to life. You should totally come. And I give him the little flyer I made. And he looks at me, and he starts folding it up. And he says, nah, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I'm like, what? That's not how this is supposed to work. Right? So I go, I'm thinking, okay, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to go back in my house, and he's going to not be able to sleep tonight, and he's reading my flyer, and so something's drawing me to the group. But nope, nothing happened. 
Now, a neighbor on the other side came over one day and said, oh man, I'm, I'm broken up because I just lost my job and I know you're a pastor. Will you pray for me? I'm like, absolutely. And I felt like God was saying, hey, you should bring them along to Dawn Patrol. So I said, you got to come with us. We got this Wednesday morning thing. You're going to love it. There's a lot of great guys there. Just join us. He's like, I'd love to. I'm like, oh, finally, it's working. So, so I was like, I'm going to get him a flyer. We're going to get him connected to this. And still hasn't been to Dawn Patrol. Right, sometimes I fail and I mess it up. Other times I feel like, what was that, God? I, I had a prompting from the Spirit. I leaned into it. I opened my mouth, and I just got a blank stare. And so my favorite thing about Acts 27 is how many times the Apostle Paul opens his mouth and gets nothing coming back from the other party. Now, check this out. This is the very beginning. He gets on the ship, and the centurion is guarding him. This is verse 10. And Paul starts to warn the men because he gets this inkling from the spirit that something bad's going to happen on this journey. So he says, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and our own lives also. Seems like this is the moment that everyone says, oh no, what do we do to be saved? But that's not what happens. In verse 11, it says, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. This is like my new favorite verse in the book of Acts. And Paul says, I have a message from the Lord. And he says this. And the guard says, huh. Well, the pilot says we should be fine. The guy who paid for this ship, he thinks we're going to be fine. I mean, I'd love to listen to one of the prisoners, but no. I read this passage and I say, okay, it happens to Paul too. In fact, if you read Acts 27, you'll see several times that the Apostle Paul feels compelled to open his mouth, lean into the promptings of the Spirit, and he gets nothing coming back in return from the people he feels compelled to lead. I think one of the things that we need to recognize before we leave this series, I don't want us to leave with a mentality that's incorrect about partnering with the Holy Spirit. And so I, I do need to say this as we look at this text from the Apostle Paul, one of the most Spirit-filled people we've ever seen. That when we partner with the, Holy, with the Holy Spirit, it's not about results. It's not about response. We, we can't manage our, our faith based on what we see in return. But rather, life by the Spirit is all about trusting the Spirit. The results of the process the inklings, the promptings, the moments, the obedience. It's, it's not a relationship of just walking with God and watching him do cool things. First and foremost, cultivating a lifelong relationship with the Spirit of God is about trusting him, listening to his voice instead of your own, listening to his promptings instead of your own inklings, listening to his words instead of what your flesh wants to do or your spouse wants to do or your church tells you to do, right? You're primarily listening for the voice of God and trusting him. Even when sometimes when you listen to him, you get nothing coming back. When I, I sat down with Mark Campbell this week for our podcast and, and I really wanted to just hear how he does it. I said, Mark, show me your secret. And I was just hoping that I'd be able to come to you today and say, hey, listen, here are some five fantastic secrets about partnering with the Spirit of God you've never thought of. But I don't have that. 
Because as Mark started talking about how he cultivates a rhythm of life on mission with the Spirit to do great things, the life he was advocating, the rhythm he was advocating, was a rhythm that, that I feel like all of us could do pretty easily tomorrow. And this is Mark's perception on, on how to have a day-by-day relationship to cultivate a rhythm with the Spirit of God. I don't get out of the Word until I know the Lord has spoken to me. How do you know that? Uh, that was for me. Like it just is like Lord, and I pray, an I pray, thing? I pray, Lord, speak to me through your Word. It's a living Word. I trust you're here with me. And I talk to the Holy Spirit. You know, we have, we're real good at being the Church of the Father and Son, <laughs> and we leave the Pentecostals to the Spirit. They're, they're the Church of the Spirit. And it's like, Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit is what Jesus says, I'm going to give you to comfort you, to be an advocate for you, to guide you along the way, to remind you of the things I said. Holy Spirit, would you speak to me through your living word now as I pause my, my day? And I, and I can't start the day without it. That's amazing. I'll go into Proverbs. You know, we, we're big in Proverbs a day, keeps the mm-hmm. dumb stuff of summer mm-hmm. away. So today's the 21st and we're in chapter 21 and then I'll go into the gospels. I'll always be in Acts. Isaiah, all over the place. Lord, lead me mm-hmm. and, and speak to me. And sometimes it's one verse. Oh, thank you. And then I, I go and I exercise on that and me- meditate on that. And I'll, I write, I, I journal everything. And is that how you meditate? Is in the journal? No. What does meditate look like? Uh, surfing. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like, your th- like, like, is it like I, your- I take that and I say, Lord, uh, apply that to my life. And before surfing, it was mountain bike riding. I used to mountain bike ride around Lake Chabot. And so so I, are you like actively wrestling actively. with that verse? I have to be active. I don't sit. I have to, you know, um, it's interesting that Jews pray rhythmically. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something happens, um, a prayer walk. There's something happens for me when I'm active. And so I'll take that word and I'll go exercise with that word. I don't like mm-hmm. to say surfing, but I'll exercise. If there's no waves, I'll walk. I'll go on a bike ride and, and just me and the Lord. Um, you're never alone. And when you're, when you're surfing and you're waiting for a wave or you're on the bike, are you like thinking about that verse or are you just out exercising and just trusting that at some point God's going to bring this back to you? Like how active is your, the meditation aspect of what you're doing? Out Extremely there? active, including when someone cuts me off or drops in on me, <laughs> yeah. or if it's, you know, maybe I'm learning patience mm-hmm. and there's always people go, how oh, you have so many stories. I'm looking for stories. That story is a gift from God. That is something to advance my faith in him and to bring his kingdom to earth through this intersection. Usually they're highly annoying. People are annoying. (laughs) And they're God's people. And God's been waiting for us spirit-filled individuals to intersect with people who are hurting Mm -hmm. and need to be rescued. I love that mentality that he brings to life. You know, I asked him later, listen to the podcast, you can kind of hear his whole story, but I asked him later, what would you say to someone who's not a full-time pastor, right, who, who doesn't get to spend all these hours in the Word and wrestling with the Word? And, and he said, you know what? I would tell them, you can start this rhythm tomorrow. It doesn't have to be hours. It doesn't have to be seasons. It starts with, with intentionality. I love his process. I open the Word, and I don't stop reading until God speaks. I move into a session of meditation where I'm wrestling with it, thinking about it, getting active, going on a walk, doing whatever it is, journaling that helps me process. Then I go out into the world and I look for opportunities to partner with what God just taught me. And he builds this daily rhythm in his life that's much like the daily rhythm of any of you who has been walking with the Lord for some time. I love that Mark's daily rhythm turned him into the Mark Campbell that we know. And I think it's important for all of us to know that the Holy Spirit is not trying to turn you into Mark Campbell. 
Right? The Holy Spirit is not trying to turn me into Mark Campbell. The Holy Spirit is trying to turn us into us. And that's one thing that I want to address before we move forward any farther, that you need to trust that the Spirit is going to build you into the best version of you. And I love the way that Dallas Willard put it. He said, you need to imagine life with the question of what would Jesus do if he was born into my body? What would Jesus do if he was born into my household? What would Jesus do with this life that he's given me? And the truth is that Jesus would turn your life into a transformed vision of the you he's created. It's going to be different than the extroverted Mark Campbell. It's going to be different than someone who loves to be in books all day. It's going to be different than the person who loves building relationships. It's going to be different than the person who's at work in the city versus the person who's rural versus the person who stays at home with their kids. It's going to be different because God has different plans for different ones of us as we all trust the same spirit through the same rhythm together. The Apostle Paul is unlike anyone who's ever lived. You're unlike anyone who has ever lived. And as Paul becomes Paul, the bold Paul, the the loud Paul, the sometimes abrasive Paul, the putting out something and getting nothing in return Paul, as he continues to push on the Spirit's promptings and open his mouth and exert leadership, eventually things on the ship start to turn. And by, by the end of this, Paul, this is verse 21, I love how Paul says, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail to Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. And even then, if you look at the text, you'll see that Luke gives us no response. He just floats it there. And it's not until the ship starts breaking apart and everyone's fearing for their lives that people start listening to Paul. I was trying to decide what to do with this because I think on one hand, the moral of this story could be Just keep pushing until the Spirit breaks through. Just keep sharing the gospel till your kid believes it. Just keep standing up at work and proclaiming until people start listening. But I'm nervous to give us that because I know people who keep pushing. I know people who are bold. I know people who are loud. And a lot of times that doesn't work very well. But more importantly, the reason I don't feel like that's the moral of the story as we look at this text is I don't think that's what the Apostle Luke or the Holy Spirit is trying to show us from the text of how Paul was able to turn this ship around. I don't think it was through his boldness. I think there was something else happening behind the scenes that Luke is drawing out over and over again. And I want to show it to you. Watch as Luke describes what it feels like to be a sailor on the ship as time goes forward. Here's some different quotes from Acts chapter 27. When they first start out, Luke says, we made slow headway for many days. As the storm begins to hit, Luke says, much time had been lost. As the winter starts to approach, Luke says, sailing had already become dangerous. As the storms start to rage, Luke says, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. As the storm starts battering the ship, it says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And as they're getting close to land and the rocks are emerging and everyone's scared, Luke says, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. As you read through Acts 27, you see this downward spiral of terror as the circumstances got more dire and as the storm raged stronger that the people on the ship eventually just said, there's no way we're going to survive. We are lost. But then when you read Luke, or Acts chapter 27 through the lens of the Apostle Paul's perspective, 
You see someone who's not caught in a downward spiral. You see someone whose faith and whose voice stays steady and calm and with a leadership presence the whole way through. Right? Mark, or Paul boards the ship and says, there's going to be a storm. The storm starts raging. Paul says, I told you not to go in it, but don't worry, God's in control. They're trying to cut the lifeboats. And Paul says, don't cut the lifeboats. God told me we're all going to be fine. The people survive the night, and Paul says, I told you we were going to be fine. Let's eat together. Come on, let's do this thing. Paul just keeps pounding this faith-filled existence as everyone else is spiraling out of control. I think the, the lesson for us as we look through this text and how Paul was able to find success in ministry in this place is it's not merely about following the Spirit's promptings. I think that what Paul brings to the table is, is yes, a surrender to the Spirit of God, but I think at the same time, what the Spirit is ultimately calling us to, and what the Spirit was ultimately calling Paul to, was a life of deeply rooted faith. Paul had this resounding faith that even when the storm was tossing the ship around, he stood firm. Paul's faith allowed him to connect with the Lord and know everything was going to be okay, even when everyone else was freaking out. Or you might be in a situation at work right now where the company is failing, where everyone's sinking, right? Where there's layoffs happening, the money's drying up, and everyone's sincerely scared of where their next paycheck's going to come from or if they're going to be able to feed their family. And you're scared too, right? And so you've brought it to the Lord and you've wrestled with God and God's told you, you know what? I'm going to take care of you. Maybe you'll lose your job. Maybe this will come together. Who knows? But trust me, I cause all things to work for the good of those who love me. Trust me. And so you go to work and you're scared, but you're trusting the Lord and, and everyone's spiraling out of control. But you've got this faith that's a little bit different than the people around you. And sometimes people ask you, why, why aren't you scared? And you say, well, I'm scared, but I, I just trust that God's got something for me. I, I just trust him. You know, in those moments, people see your faith more than they hear your words. And even more than that, when people hear your words and see a faith that matches it, it's a powerful thing. Now, what the Spirit is calling us to is not merely this life where we're just following him and having amazing adventure, but underneath the, the storm of it all, the Spirit is calling us to this steady, beautiful, deeply rooted life of faith. It would be interesting to read through the book of Acts chapter 28 with, with the same mentality of, okay, what is Paul doing here that shows us the deepness of his faith and his sensitivity to the Spirit? And if you do that, it's actually a pretty interesting, crazy adventure. Right? The, the men get off the ship, they make it to dry land, they're alive, they're sitting around the fire, probably telling stories of how they almost died. Right? And as they're sitting around the fire, this snake jumps up and grabs Paul's hand, a poisonous snake. And you would think that the men would be rushing to Paul's aid because he's their pastor now, right? But nope, they're men, they make fun of him. They say, Paul, he must be a criminal after all. Look, the gods are trying to kill him anyway, right? Ha, ha, ha. And he's like, oh. And so Paul just takes this poisonous viper, throws it away, and he's fine. And the men look at him, and they say, this man is a god. But Paul doesn't respond. He's got this emotional stability. He just kind of gets up from the fire. He notices there's people on that island who need help. He starts serving them. He prays for them. Miracles happen. People get healed. A community is formed. And he just keeps plugging away at his life, plugging away with his faith, trusting the Spirit. And wherever he goes, God creates this sphere of influence for the kingdom around him. 
I think the moral of the story as we look through this text and as we leave from the series is this. A person with a deep faith and a dynamic relationship with the Spirit is an unstoppable force. It's not just a dynamic relationship with the Spirit. It's a person with a deep faith and a dynamic relationship with the Spirit is an unstoppable force in this world. You know, think of that passage in Peter where he says to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And we always read that and we think, oh, that's about sharing the gospel. That's about having answers. That's about using your words to minister to people. But we miss the fact that what Peter's saying at the core of that is it's about the hope that you have. What he assumes is that you're in a time of suffering or you're in a time of trial or you're in a time of persecution and everything's coming at you from all sides and yet you hold fast to your faith and people start to see that you have a hope that's different than anything they've seen before. And eventually they ask you, where do you get this hope? Peter says in that moment, be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. It's a deep faith in God, paired with a dynamic relationship with a spirit where in those moments, your words are able to match your life and your faith. And people see something that's different than they've ever seen before. And the challenge for us as we walk out of this series is not merely to find these moments, these promptings, and lean into them, but it's to grow more rooted in our faith in Jesus. If you grabbed an outline on your way in or if you grab one on your way out, you'll see there's some takeaways and things. And one of the things are five different ways that you can grow the roots of your faith to deepen your faith as you walk on this adventure with God. And I'll read them to you. If you want to develop this type of relationship with the Spirit, here are five things that you can do. Number one, listen to God's voice through the scriptures and through prayer. Listen to his voice. Listen for those promptings. Meditate on those things. Ask him what he has for you. Number two, take action when the Spirit prompts you. When he says, invite your neighbor to Bible study, do it. You never know what's going to happen. Do it. Number three, this is important for me. Do not evaluate success based on the results that you see. Trust the Spirit when he tells you to do something. Go for it, and, and then you did it. Like, you did the thing he asked you to do. Don't worry about the results. Just trust the Spirit. Man, number four, in the midst of all this, refuse to fear people's opinions. And I see over and over, Paul has to stand up and say something unpleasant that everyone made fun of him for, but by the end of it, it saved all their lives. So don't, don't fear what people think. And number five, take effort to deepen the roots of your faith in as many ways as possible. If you're new to church, there, there's a lot of different ways that you can deepen the roots of your faith. Or maybe you're not a believer in Jesus. The first thing you need to do is trust him, cling to him. This morning, we're going to receive communion together. And that's a moment for us who believe in Jesus to recognize that our faith, the beginning and the end and everything in the middle, comes from clinging, abiding in Jesus Christ. So the first step for you, if you're not a believer, is to give your life to Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sins. Ask him to give you his spirit. Ask him to give you a new life. And he will start there, develop the roots there. If you haven't been baptized, sign up to be baptized. In two weeks, we're going to have our Celebrate New Life series. That's a place where you can take that first step of saying, I'm a follower of Jesus and the world, the community needs to know. Maybe you've got a family. Have your kids dedicated on that Sunday. Two weeks from today, you can jump online and sign up for that. Maybe you need to jump into Seminar 101 in three weeks and say, I want to learn what it means to be part of this family. Maybe you need to join a community, a home community. Talk to Carolina or text that number if you don't want to talk to people. 
talk to Carolina or AJ or Heather out there and say, hey, I want to get involved. Let me grow in my roots. In a few weeks, Pastor Larry is going to start a new series called Rooted. And the whole point of that series is how do we start an abiding relationship with the Spirit of God from which the fruit of the Spirit can be grown? How do we start to develop love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control in our lives? And what comes from being rooted in Christ? How do we develop those roots? Whatever it is that God is calling you to do to deepen those roots, do that this week. Don't leave here thinking that the secret to the Christian life is just looking for these inklings and running into them. I think a huge part, the undercurrent of it all, is a deep abiding relationship with Jesus Christ and a partnership with the Spirit that starts from that core. And as you grow in that, you're not going to turn into the Apostle Paul. You're not going to turn into Mark Campbell. You're not going to turn into me, thank goodness. The Spirit is going to transform you into a beautiful, transformed, and transforming version of you to carry out the works that he prepared in advance for you to carry out on this planet. It all starts with an abiding relationship with him and a sensitivity to what he has for you moment by moment. Let me pray for us, and then we'll receive the communion meal together.